This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to a Real Man Wood podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. It's been a few weeks, baseball season, but... uh How's it going? Doing all right, Liz. Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. Good to be back talking with you. Um, been dealing with something of a health issue myself. Um, also, uh, my my daughter fell and, and lost three front teeth. She had to have uh. surgery. It's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks for me um, behind the scenes here, but it's good to be back, Liz. Um, how have you been? How's, how's baseball treating you so far? Did she lose baby teeth or, or adult teeth? No, thankfully, they're just baby teeth. So she, oh. she was... Um, on her uh, on a scooter, and she tripped over something and fell face first into concrete, oh. and the blood that was gushing out of her face was like, oh, I couldn't believe it. But then she was fine. But of course, this happened on a Friday night, so there's no dentist. Uh, I, I'm waiting till till Monday morning, first thing to go, and our dentist just happens to be off that day, so I had to wait till Tuesday. I just worried about an infection. She said there was no right. pain whatsoever, you know. So and the teeth were in there; they were fine. But then after the, a closer look revealed that, yeah, she did a little bit of damage there. To, to, be, to be safe, they, they removed all, pulled all three of them and cleaned it out there to make sure there's no infection. So she's going to be toothless a little longer than, than you know, naturally. But uh, she kind of looks cute. And frankly, her, her lisp she has now makes it all worth it. It's pretty cute. But it's not going to affect her uh, adult teeth coming in? I don't think so anything whatsoever. I think she okay. didn't do any permanent at all. Yeah, no. That's good. That's good. Yeah, you had a more eventful couple of weeks than I did. I was mostly just here drinking with people, and I don't even know what I was doing. I was hanging out with various uh, different characters, except uh, I've been, I have to say, you know how you felt last year? You were describing how you're just so miserable about baseball and like you're going to do something different. And I'm already, my teams are all terrible. And like even today, like I I benched Michael Walker because. I started to realize like, oh, the, the ball is so juiced, and if you have a starting pitcher that's struggling, I'm not going to start him in Milwaukee. I'll just put Amir Garrett in the main event in ahead of him because you know, I'd rather just use a reliever that won't hurt me than Waka in Milwaukee. And, of course, Waka pitches, gets a win, pitches seven strikeouts, six, seven innings, like pitches a great game, and he's on my bench after getting destroyed uh, the last couple of weeks. I had Steven Matz in last night, give him eight earned runs, six earned runs, eight runs, without recording an out. Walkers on my bench, you know. It's just shit like that. It's I just I'm really like trying to have some equanimity and just be like, ah, you know, all you can do is play the percentages, make your moves every week, do your fab. Don't worry about it. Don't look at the standings. It's just so frustrating. Like I'm just feeling so pissed, enraged, jealous of all the people who have Bellinger's, who I totally faded, Yelich, who I faded, all these players that are going crazy. None of them are on any of my teams. And it's just one kick in the nuts after another. Every day I wake up to check the box scores because I usually sleep. You know, I'm asleep when most of the games are going on. And every morning it's just it's just a total shit show. And I'm just so pissed. And I just lost a Reuters Viscaino for the year. I just, you know, just it's like one thing after another. I decided Blake Swihart got you know got the job, so I picked him up everywhere. I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll just get lucky and he'll be the 15 homer, 290 prospect that he should have been and you know get huge leg up on everyone and catcher for nothing of course released you know tyler o'neill finally looks like he's getting at bats with bader on the dl nope gets hurt he goes on the dl i have him in four leagues like every single thing is just like a punch a kick in the nuts severino gambled on him in like four places i knew the risk but now he's out half the season just everything is bad no nothing is good yeah, I hear you. Walk a tough matchup to in Milwaukee, closed dome. That was a high over under this morning. Uh, I actually benched Matts in the main event, my main event team. Not that I'm doing anything great in that, which is kind of wild considering I didn't draft a starting pitcher until round 15, and I'm only using one relief pitcher. 
but I still had mats on the bench. But having said that, I also had Estrada in my lineup last night who got annihilated. But that had to be just miserable watching that one. I mean, eight earned runs without getting an out, I guess, is the worst since like 1908 or something. Just absolutely brutal. Well, six, six um, earned. I don't, he, he wasn't that yeah, bad. I did sorry. watch it. Like, I mean. Yeah, but poor they, defense. Yeah. It was bullshit. It was like, first of all, McCutcheon reaches on an error by stupid Ahmed Rosario. Then the next guy's like hit by pitch. It's like Harper, whoever's hit by pitch. Then somebody hits a, like a total, like hits a double. It was a real Muto with like a couple guys on hits a double. And Brandon Nimmo just like, I don't know if he was like totally baked or something, but he just waited like forever to move. And Jeff McNeil didn't have enough range to get it from center. It was a double that should have been an out. And then uh, Kingery hits a bomb on a hanger. Okay, fine. And then uh, Ahmed Rosario gets another ball through his legs. Then he walks somebody. And then Franco comes up and hits a bomb. So, you know, I mean, oh, he, he didn't, he was throwing 94 and, you know, yeah, he caught too much of the plate and he walked a guy and whatever, but like, it was just stupid. Yeah, the cascade effect. Well, Nimmo actually left the game with a stiff neck, and McNeil has no business playing in the outfield. He made a, another play even later in that inning, a two-base error. I mean, it actually was an error off uh, Real Muto. I, I think that, I believe that was the same inning, but it was a disaster, and Mats had been really good uh, before and really good all second half last year, and it's a tough start in, in Philly. But really, just in general, what is, I mean, the pitching, it's just kind of annoying for me with my strategy that I'm not doing better in my leagues because I, I, I'm the person who did not take a starting pitcher in the first 15 rounds of any draft I was in this year, and yet I haven't translated that to uh, off to great starts uh, so far with my offense. So it, it really does, you know, list you have to pick the right players no matter what your strategy is, and I'm definitely feeling that through two weeks. But what, what do you think on, the, on my strategy, though? Like, well, first of all, I, I definitely want to ask you about Chris Sale. I heard you you said uh, the argument, uh, what, the appeal of, of authority is what you fell for. Did you definitely try to talk me into that? Maybe he's fine. He's throwing 97 yesterday. But what are your thoughts on sale right now? Because that's the guy, you know, you really told me to take main event, pick number seven, <laughs> and I passed on him. And who did you take instead? J.D. Martinez. Okay. He's doing fine. Yeah, I, I was really worried about him. But after yesterday's game where he was touching 97, I'm not really quite as worried. I mean, maybe there's something wrong with his arm because his command is so off. But I would be you know, buying on sale 100%. I don't really know if there's a way to, I don't think you can really buy low on him because his owner is probably not going to, his owner's probably just holding tight, which is what I'd recommend to a sale owner. But hmm. I think if the velocity's back, he's fine. Like what you worry about is if he's throwing 92, 91, like he was the first couple starts, well, he's 30 years old. That's when Kershaw started throwing, you know, 89, 90. That's when Felix Hernandez, well, him a little younger, started losing velocity. And then, you know, Felix Hernandez is terrible now. Lincecum lost a mile, lost another mile, and basically just pitched himself out of the league with the lower velocity. And all these pitchers, when they get to a certain age or a certain point, and they lose, they go below whatever the threshold is for them. I mean, some pitchers can get away with it. it you know, maybe Kershaw can be fine at 89 and a half, but, you know, Felix at 90 is no good. And so different pitchers have different thresholds. But whenever they cross that threshold, that's it. And you see it happen all the time. And I thought, okay, maybe sales, that's what's happening now. But when he's touching 97 yesterday and was consistently 94, 95, you start to realize, okay, he's, he hasn't lost velocity. So that whole worry, that whole line of concern is out the window, and he's not reporting any injuries. So I'm pretty bullish on him regaining his form. Okay. Uh, what in general then? What, what are we doing with pitching though? I mean, the ERA is up, what, nearly a, what, half a run or 4.41 right now. League-wide ERA last year was 4.15. Right. That's before the summer months, man. I mean, the summer months is when the heat is going to get far more than that. I mean, the ball is clearly juiced again. So what do we make of this? Yeah. Re remember, like, the 4.41 is all of baseball. I'm sure starters are like five and relievers are like right, you know, three, right. you know, or whatever, yeah. three and a half. So my strategy shifting on the fly was actually to start putting in middle reliever quality middle relievers instead of starters with bad starts. So, you know, if Michael Walk is in Milwaukee, I'm not starting him. Like I'll, you know, in a 15 team, I probably won't drop him, but if he gets, uh, odd, I agree with you, but oddly, uh, it, that's not the case. Relievers have a 4.49 ERA this year and starters 4.36 for whatever that's worth. Okay. Well, maybe, you know, for now it's, it's like that, but you'd think, Pretty sure every year the relievers have way better ERAs because, and especially the relievers that you would use versus the starters you would use, right? Because there's a lot of those mop up guys that come in and just get destroyed, but the relievers that, you know, the 50, 60, 70 relievers that you might use versus the rest of them. 
because you use most of the I bet you know we use a, a much higher percentage of the starters than than relievers. And that so, is the case. The last few years, the reliever ERA has been better. You're right. Yeah, I mean it up. has to be because they you know they throw harder. They're facing a few guys. Yep. So my strategy was to just try to pivot right away and be like, uh oh, okay. And you know I just made the bad calls. I don't know why Matt's. I guess he had pitched well. Walk had pitched badly, and I was like, all right, I guess Matt's. You know I don't have fifty pitchers. You know I got to leave somebody in the lineup. And I guess I just thought, all right, Matt's is going well. I'll, I'll leave him in. And Walk is not going well, and they both have tough, tough matchups. So I didn't even really consider taking out Matt's. Uh, and then, obviously, that was totally the wrong call and uh, very painful. I've weighed Miley on my bench, too. Uh, it got so bad that I you know, I didn't know whether Ryu was going to pitch this week, and he still may or may not. And I have Julio Urias. And they said Ryu might replace Urias you know, if... You know, if he comes back this week, and I just left Urias and Ryu in there, not even knowing if Ryu would start, because I didn't want to put Miley at Oakland. I want to use Miley and you know, all the Houston pitchers. I want to use them at home. So I'm being so ridiculously conservative, and we'll see if I fall way behind in, in K's and wins. But I think that you know, if if you get a guy out there who just gets destroyed, it's not like Matt's got any K's or win. You know, it's it doesn't help your K's and wins. So I, I think like avoiding horrible beatings and and really focusing on Ero. ERA and WHIP um, is going to be more important than. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I heard you even on XM talking about your roster, let alone roster. You're, you're you're using middle relievers already in these in these what 15 team leagues? Is that what you're doing? That's what I'm saying. I moved in Amir Garrett instead of yeah, Walker Amir this week. Garrett. Right. I mean, that's just I know. I I just am surprised that, that that it's come to that 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 soon. Though I just really well, I am. I mean, it was a mistake, uh, I guess, but. We're in an environment. I mean, I did. I basically was based on a study I did of the 2017 season, which is like this, but this one seems even worse. Where the pitchers that were drafted, the starting pitchers who were drafted, they weren't. They were bad. They were, weren't great. Lower, you know, higher ERA than usual. But the pitchers who were fabbed and streamed, and again, this was a 12-team league. There's a lot of good options to fab and stream in a 12-teamer, and presumably everyone for streaming guys is streaming them against the weakest teams in the league, right? You're not streaming at Yankee Stadium. So none of those starts are counted. So of all the pitchers that were picked up, all the fabbed pitchers, the non-owned, you know, non and, I, and I counted guys who were dropped and then picked up because I just looked at, you could sort on people's teams by all their sort of acquired guys. And the ERA for pitchers in that category was like, it was something like 460 and the whip was 136 collectively. So even like the cherry-picked streamers against bad teams got destroyed. And the moral of the story in 2017 was don't stream. And, and, so that, and I'm thinking that's what's going to happen this year too. Don't use marginal pitchers that you know, have maybe a good matchup. Yeah, um, that, well, that's, that's not going to be great for me because that has been my strategy. It's load up on the marginal pitchers and play matchups. But, but conversely, though, it certainly hasn't been great if you, if you drafted many aces this year. So, I mean, I don't know. It's frustrating. Like I said, my teams aren't doing well, but I just feel like I was just right on the starting pitcher landscape. I mean, what, it's, it's I just a disaster so. after disaster after disaster. You don't think so? I mean, no. that is a, now that no. is a contrarian look. You're, I, I think, you're, you're I think, think it's, it's smart to, to draft starting pitchers as usual. No, I, it was. I thought I actually had it right, but I didn't get all the right pitchers. You know, Pianowski's talked about this. Starting pitchers are like running backs, so sometimes running backs get hurt a lot. You might say, "Well, you had Le'Veon Bell last year, and he held out," or you had whichever running back got hurt last year, and you know, okay, it screwed you. But <laughs> okay. well, you can kind of compare anything. Then, if you, that's a stretch, dude. I mean, all, all the pitchers are getting annihilated this year. Man. Well, no, they're I mean, not. This, I mean, Verlander's not. Garrett Cole's not. Trevor Bauer's not. Blake Snell's not. Okay. But you know, you're I mean, going the opposite. I think it's harder to find the ones that are not than the ones that, I mean, it's harder to find those samples than, than vice versa. Well, I mean, first of all, it's been three weeks for those guys, but I, I would, what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is if the environment keeps this way, I would say that you, it's kind of like running backs. Like even if half the running backs are out for the year, the guy who wins the league is the one that has the running backs that did well. I mean, the guy who wins the league is going to have the running back that, yeah. that held up. Okay. And and the other thing is well maybe hitting, you're, I just don't think I'm better than, than anyone as far as identifying those three to four unicorns per year or whatever. I mean maybe maybe they well, will no, be those same guys. Mean? If if all the unicorns are coming from the first three rounds, we'll see if some come from you know maybe Luis Castillo becomes one or some other guys get in the mix. But if most of the unicorns are from the top three rounds, then you, you don't the only chance you have of getting one is by 
dipping into that pool. Yeah. Do you think those will be easy to identify? Do you think they'll be the same people? Is it the Scherzer? Is, you know, maybe it's going to be Scherzer and DeGrom's going to go on a run now. That could be the case. Verlander definitely seems like about the safest guy. I, I think it's going to be most likely to be from that group, obviously. You know, I mean, I, it's like the running backs, right? Like sometimes okay. Alvin Kamara will be drafted in the 10th round and give you a first round performance, but most of them are just the guys who they're in the group you thought they were. You might not know which one is going to be better than the other. I might, you know, I liked Leonard Fournette last year. Like he was terrible, but it's it's still like you you still should be in that you know picking running backs in that area but then then are you, then would you say that maybe even more extreme than avoid them from from four to 12 then rounds four to 12 then maybe but th- there's actually been a few good ones in rounds four to 12 although clevenger got well, hurt of course and, and you know there's a few good ones and, and, and maybe it'll turn this on its head, and maybe the, those guys will deliver the best value. But historically, the top guys have given the best value, and this year, it's going to be even uglier for anyone marginal. It's going to be even harder to gamble on a couple of streamers. So I actually think like the, the probably the best strategy would have been to get two aces, hope to get lucky on at least one, if not two, and then like just load up on the Josh haters and the yeah, you know, the closer sounds right. pretty good now because. It's not just the saves. It's like it's avoiding having a starter in there. No, that's I interesting. Guess, I, I can buy that. I can totally that, buy that. And you're gonna and when when guys like Jay Bruce is hitting has seven home runs. You know, when they, when everybody's hitting home runs, when Jason Hayward has like four homers and three steals, when people are coming out of the woodwork, just like they did in 2017, it's kind of the reverse, right? It's like you want to be strong in the pitching and then pick up hitters as needed. Yeah, I'm getting less of an advantage, me, getting all these hitters when other guys are getting the, these breakouts so easily, readily available that's later. That's what I'm yeah, saying. That, that's, sure. that's why I don't think – I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, it, it may be that if everybody's pitching was so terrible in an equal measure, then the guy with the best hitting is going to win, right? Then it's sort of a, a crapshoot. If you're saying, well, if it's a total crapshoot of pitcher, we have no idea what's going on there, then you may as well spend all your money in hitting. Now, that's kind of what you're saying. But what I'm saying is I think that – only pitchers with any chance in this environment are the best pitchers. Right. No, that, that is fair. All I'm saying is I just spent zero capital in the first 15 rounds on, on these starting pitchers, a commodity that w- is very combustible right now. Is, is, uh, but yeah, if you get the right ones, they're even more valuable than we already said they were going to be the most valuable. So yeah, that makes sense, especially looking at the offense coming out of nowhere. So, so the Jay Bruce's are so annoying and you just got to draft the right guys. And you also just have to keep telling yourself, um, whatever, two and a half weeks. I mean, everyone has bad, and hot, half. and cold streaks. Whatever, yeah, three I, and a half I weeks. Mean, I mean, I'm already a little bit like, I, I really liked my main event team. But, man, Aroides Viscaino out for the year. Robertson on the DL with an elbow thing. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, starting to, I'm starting to think it's, it's, I may have overrated the team. And everybody's just starting off slow. You know, nobody's really Chris Bryant's off to a slow start. Puig's off to a slow start. Jose Ramirez is off to a slow start. These are all my top picks. I it mean, just gets so much more highlighted when it happens the first three and a half weeks as opposed to in July, though. You know, everyone, yeah, everyone is... Yeah, I, that's one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is if you were to just like take the math, right? Let's say so you're in a 15-team league, and if everybody's equal, you have a six-point-something percent chance of winning and a six-point-six-and-two-thirds or whatever chance of winning the league. And... If you're in like 13th place and you've lost two closers and you know Severino you're gambling on in the ninth and thought he might come back, I mean, other people have a lot of even worse injuries than me. So I actually don't even think my injuries have been inordinate. I've had like an average amount of injuries. But your 6% goes to 3 So I'm not saying it's over. I'm, I'm obviously going to make all the moves and keep, keep at it. But I'm hoping that, that the ball stays juiced and then hopefully I've taken a more extreme tack in terms of dealing with it and maybe gives me an advantage. Yeah, I was definitely talking about performance as far as a sample, but not, yeah, injuries. You definitely could be screwed for sure. It could be, yeah, you, you, you spend that capital for closers, you lose them, and it's non-trade league, then yeah, it's, it's tough to recover from, well, from I, that. I big and on, it's on easy Ryan to get. Brazier. It's not Brazier like a bra. Anyway, Manzier. Uh, man, it made me think of the Manzier also on Seinfeld yeah, episode. Exactly. I went big on him in Fab and I got him. For like you know 400 or 370 something because i was like this is before Viscayano was out for the year i was like man i just hope that guy gets 20 saves i'll be fine 
what about the the fab? I went big on the Shields and League. We're in together, and it, like no one else, or very. I, I bid too much on him, and I know the twelve teams, but I really needed steals, and um, and that was the the one area I needed. And he became available, so I, I pounced on him. How have you been with Fab so far? Have you made some some egregious? I know I know I, you've gotten some some pub on your uh, what's his face, the uh, Fraser, right? The other Fraser, the the Clint Fraser, right? Yeah, well, no, because that that shit was super annoying. We haven't talked in a bit, but basically, the way Tout Wars works. You do your moves on Sunday night, and you get the results Sunday night, and then you have till the game start Monday to set your lineup. And the way you do it is you basically just pick up guys and reserve guys, but you end up with more players than is legal. So you'll have five. It's not like the NFBC where you always have a legal roster. So you end up with like five players on your bench with five reserves, and you got to drop one um, because you're only allowed four reserves. So I'm up before the you know obviously before the show. I'm here in Portugal, and it's like the games are starting a little bit after the show and I usually get dinner or whatever. And it's before the show. So I'm just looking at my moves, my lineups, because I don't want to have to be there right before the games to deal with this. So I'm like, all right, uh, I got to activate the guy I got. I got to drop somebody. Well, Clint Frazier, I thought he actually had a chance to uh, have a good role. Cause I thought he could beat out Gardner or whatever, but he's in the minors and they have this other guy like Mike Talkman who's ahead of him or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, he's still in the minors. All right. That's the guy I'll drop. So I drop him like right before the XM show. But half an hour into the XM show, we find out that Stanton, who had like five at-bats the previous night, no indication of any injury whatsoever, goes on the yeah. DL, and they're calling up Frazier. So I've already dropped the dude, right? So then I'm just praying that he like barely plays and has a shitty week so I can get him back because I actually thought it was a good reserve pick. So the week's going on. The first couple of days, they don't even play Frazier. Then he goes like, oh, for, I'm like, good. All right, I'll, I'll bid like 50 on him and you know, 50 out of 1,000, just get him back. But then on the Sunday before pickups, he hits like two home runs and steals a base. And I'm just like, ah, oh, fuck. You know, like now I got to, so I spent like 400 to get him back. But like there was bids, I spent like 450, but there were bids for like 360 or something. I mean, it was half my budget just to get the guy I dropped back. That, uh, mon- the guy's going on the Monday DL, man, like Monday afternoon. It's just such killer on these weekly lineups. Said, I'm curious, Liz, what would be your ideal setup if you were playing for $1 million or something? What would be your, your, what is the truest test? Uh, or I guess those are two different questions, but I switched my home league to head to head this year just because they wanted it or it's going to die. And, um, I don't know. I'm thinking, uh, you know, versus weekly versus I, I like the NFC where you can switch the, the hitters on Fridays. They give you a little flexibility there, but. What what would be your ideal format? I understand that daily is, is, is too time consuming. You went out on say the Yahoo Friends and Family League, but let's say you know whatever a lot of money was involved and you just had one league to play. What would be your ideal format for fantasy baseball? Yeah, I, I mean the NFBC is pretty good. Uh, it's not perfect. There's there's issues with it, but and the injuries are just killer, and you start to be like, ah, uh, I know why people quit and just play DFS, but DFS has got its own problems. I think the NFBC is as good as it gets. It's my favorite format. I don't really know what else you can really do. I mean, there's injuries. It's part of it. It's going to make it noisy. There's fab. There's luck in terms of who outbids whom by a couple of bucks here or there. There's all sorts of shit. But it's my favorite format, and it just seems like lately baseball has gotten worse as a a fantasy sport. Like, it used to just seem like this is so fun. And maybe just because I had a great year in 2015 and I've just been not very good since or okay in a couple of years and not so good in other years. So I'm just remembering it based on my own, you know, winning or losing. But I really feel like it's it's just been like more arbitrary, more injuries, more just random shit. The, the macro environment is changing drastically from 2016 to 2017 back to 2018. Now this year, and that's kind of random because you, there's no way to know that. So you, you end up making wrong assumptions I don't know. Baseball is just in general just seeming like sort of like football was. I used to think baseball was like, oh, baseball, you can really count on baseball to deliver. I don't know. What's what's your ideal? Yeah, I'm trying to decide. That's why I brought it up. I I do like the NFBC format, and I think mostly, but sometimes I just feel like locking that lineup on on Monday morning and so many things can change, so much more information. I feel like that definitely, you know, introduces far more luck in, in some aspects. So, I mean, I kind of, ideally like the daily transaction if it was going to be you know, a, a ton of money involved, but certainly no argument as far as NFBC having a great setup. Like I said, I love the fact you can manipulate your, your hitters on Friday. So that DL at least won't cost you the whole week. So yeah, I don't that, know. I don't that's think that's a really good, one. that's a good feature that Friday thing with the hitters. I have to say like, I, I quit Yahoo friends and family. How are you doing in that league? By the way, 
I'm doing all right. I'm in the middle pack. Okay. I'm um, at, I, it's funny. I won. I actually saved it one one day. One of the first days of the week, I had like incredible 29 strikeouts in like 13 innings or sort of like 14 innings pitch or something, and and a, and a whip below eight right away. And it was just funny because I again, you know, hadn't drafted a starter in the first 15 rounds, and it was very like, oh, look at this. But that is not exactly gone. It, it, the same moving forward, but but yeah, it's tough. The daily transactions, you got to be on top of it, even in the middle of it, all day, not just the, the beginning of that day, but when the lineups come out. I'm so glad I dropped out. I mean, I love the I love the form. It's a fun format, and I really like the competition in that league. But I mean, my life is just so much better. I just I worry about it on Sunday night. I do my moves on Monday. You know, I make sure like I'm trying to set my lineups accordingly. And on Friday, I look for the the hitters that I might want to swap out. That's it. That's all I got to do. It's just it's just such a burden every single day. And then when you're in yeah. LA in the summer and like Saturday, you're not really sure what, what games are starting early. I leave so many guys on my bench. It's just like I'm traveling. I'm like checking my phone. I'm like got shitty uh, cell connection, and I'm like trying to like make a move like somewhere in Finland, like trying to get this in like before the game starts. Yeah, the first come first serve pickups too as well. I mean, you got to get on the, I, the, the I closers like and all that. Playing it, it's fun to play, and the first come first serve is cool because if you see something like you watch a guy and you're like, "Whoa, that guy looks like he's throwing gas," and you're just watching a random game because you have the MLB package, right? Yeah, yeah. So sometimes you'll just like be looking box scores and you'll click through to see a guy you want to see, and then you'll be like, "Ah, oh, that guy looks really good." You'll just get an idea and you can act on it right away. You can be like, all right, I'm picking that guy up. I think this guy's good. And you know, in like with Clint, uh, Clint Frazier, it was like, shit, like I had to wait and wait and wait. And of course he hit two home runs and solo base before I got to bid on him. And that's hell, right? I mean, I, I couldn't act. I had to sit around and wait. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a, there's pluses and minuses to, to both formats is, but you're right. No, looking scouting like that and be able to pick up right away there there is a an advantage or a plus to that as well but speaking of the mlb package it's still annoying that i dodgers will not go on the game mix so you go in this game mix you can watch eight games at once but the dodgers and that's i'm sure you you know former la guy no they still have that same bullshit list where it won't even it won't i know they don't show locally which is far worse but they won't show on the mlb mix either because of whatever that ridiculous thing is i, I would have thought you know five years it's been like that they would have fixed that by now but that's just never ending or what i know you're out of la but what do you know anything involved with the with the dodgers tv situation well i, I watch the dodgers no problem you know from portugal i watch every game <laughs> yeah. but the, the well not on the mlb they... mix you can't not on the mlb mix you can't not 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 on the channel i'm talking about you know they have all eight at once they refuse to show dodger games well, i don't, on I don't I watch that. the dodgers I'll, far less i'll watch whatever but but the point is that uh they they deprive me of Pete kershaw and you know the end of vin scully's career yeah. so like i i missed that <laughs> when i was when i was in la you think stuff that's so egregious is going to get fixed and then in this day and age, like nothing gets fit. Like nobody deals with it. It just keeps going. It reminds me of like the Boeing thing. It's like Boeing sending planes that like, like the basic safety feature of an airplane was extra, cost extra. It's like, the fuck? Time Warner really still, they're only like a third of the city can watch or Spectrum or whatever that crap company is now. Like a third of the city can watch the home team on TV. Total dysfunction. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Speaking of which, how, how sick was it when Puig uh, went deep in his return to L.A.? God, that guy's killing me, though. Not only to have him on all kinds of fantasy teams, I went on uh, on video filming the spring training and, and argue with Andy Barron's that dude's going to go like 40, 20 or something. And Barron says he's a scrub and God, man, that guy, is it too cold in, in Cincinnati yeah, early, yeah. early on or what's the deal? I mean, he's going to get going, right? I mean, man, come on, Puig. Do you want to talk about any players specifically? Wait, wait, you know, Pavetta now, got sent down. As we're recording this, Puig stole second yep. base and then there's an error. So he went to third, 
But you understand, the, the Reds are down two. So there's absolutely no reason for him to steal that base. I mean, it's great <laughs> for fantasy. Took away, the double, took away the double play. There's one out. Took away the double play. I mean, that's not worth, that's not worth risking <laughs> stealing a base. Two-run game, yeah. Well, he's not the most cerebral player, I don't think. Maybe, no. I don't know. But uh, I'll take it, though. I'll take that steal. Come oh, on, yeah, I know. I like I'm it. happy. But it's just like he's... You know he's a piece of work, but but the thing about Puig is that, and I saw a video on this. He was he was talking to Dexter Fowler before a game, and he's complaining about the cold. He's like, "Oh, don't throw it to me inside. I can't take it. It hurts so much." And you know he's from Cuba and he played in L.A. So like being in Cincinnati is not as usual. You know in March and early April, it's not his usual environment. So I think I think yeah. he's going to heat up. He just has to stay healthy. I get I, what I hate, and this happens to Puig a couple seasons, like where you're starting off terrible because it's cold, and then you like strain a hamstring. Oh, Kemp just did something. He says in play runs, although he's on third. Uh, I, I had Amir one. Garrett going in this game. I'm watching. I'm tracking this game while we're talking. And remember, I told you I started Amir Garrett. He got the last out in the yeah. eighth, and Cincinnati's up in the top of the ninth. Anyway, the sack fly. Ah, oh, that sack fly is like worse than. That's like that's just an out. It's yeah. garbage. Fucking Kemp. Do you have any uh any players you want to talk about? I don't know. And Pavetta was sent down. You know, Mike Trout is doing. I mean, do you, I, Mike Trout is just ridiculous, dude. That guy has 16 walks and five strikeouts. I mean, he's raised his OPS for five that. straight his years. Te- his team is doing that. I mean, his team is. Well, he's raised his OPS for the fifth straight year. Dude plays center field in a pitcher's park. And, like, I, I know people know that he's the best player in baseball, but I, I feel like this guy, as far as globally, is just still extremely underrated. You're not giving him credit for this plate discipline, you're saying? I mean, obviously he's got great plate discipline, but – He's walking so much because he's like Bonds. It's like there's just no – not only is he such a great hitter, but there's no reason to pitch to him. So Slugging gonna, 16 in Anaheim Stadium, I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. All you do is pitch around him. He's got a good eye, so he's not going to swing, so he's going to walk. Again, slugging 816 in that park, he's, he's pretty, pretty ridiculous, that guy. So who have you been frustrated with, Jose Ramirez? Yeah, at least he's healthy. Twice he fouled the ball off himself and got up to <laughs> – didn't have to go on the DL. And just, you know, Chris Bryant's – Who's my who's my four? Oh, Puig is my fourth round pick. My, you know, just everybody's just like Justin Turner's not been very good. Seager's just been pretty bad. Malik Smith stolen a few bases. He's been bad. I don't know. Everyone's just been kind of mediocre. Yeah. Nobody's outperformed. That's so. That's one thing. Nobody's overperformed where I drafted them, and a few guys have underperformed. But that team isn't the one in the most dire straits. Like the other, you know, there's some other ones. The the auction one is just in dire. It's on life support right now. I think the only guy who's totally outperforming on, on my profile is Matthew Boyd. He's ended up with this, but yeah, I'm waiting for for some more myself. How? What about the league we're in together? The beat Chris list. I think we're we're pretty close, middle of the pack type stuff. I think um, that team is all right, actually. That team's pretty good. Yeah, I'm probably like eighth or ninth place, but I think that team has chance. That's the one I have Acuna in. I, I lost my third round pick Severino, which hurt. The other ones that I lost Severino, I got him late because it was after the injury. You'll, you'll be happy to know I have Sonny Graham on my bench for his nice outing today. <laughs> Benched him against the Dodgers. Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's frustrating. No, very, very frustrating. I'm basically, I'm with you as far as frustration of fantasy baseball. And I felt that way last year. That's why I made this choice, this total drastic change in strategy to try to switch it up. Not to say that that's necessarily worked or whatever, but um, I don't think my, my teams, uh, if they are doing poorly, it's not because of not drafting starting pitchers, though. That's, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying as far as getting those, those guys in the very, very beginning, but man, just, uh, just Jack Flaherty, just so many disasters. It's, well, no, it's, but, I, it's a but little he, bit was outside the, he was outside the elites. Jack Flaherty shouldn't have been yeah. going in the third Cras- round. Carrasco, Kluber, Carrasco, Kluber. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I avoided Kluber, too, but I do have two shares of Carrasco, and, you know, he just had that one absolutely disastrous start. He struck out 14 in the start before. I'm not, you know. But I mean, even Scherzer and Grom have not been that great. I mean, I don't know. You you seem more optimistic about these starting pitchers than I do. Well, so, I mean, but that's, if you say Scherzer and Grom haven't been that great, you could be like, well, you know, Mookie Betts hasn't been very good. Yes, you know, that's, that's true. It, it's not like there's something fundamentally wrong with them. Now, I do think you know, Degrom in 2017 had an ERA of like 3.58. He was still good. He got a lot of strikeouts, but in that environment, yeah, Scherzer actually did pretty well. But uh, Degrom had an ERA three hundred and fifty-eight that year, so maybe Degrom is just going to be good, and not you know first round pick good. Yeah, but maybe it, or maybe an ERA that good will be like being a well, two ERA in other years. <laughs> it, it, it'll be like a 
yeah, it'll be like a three ERA, the three fifty eight or something. Yeah. It'll it'll be yeah. And if, if you have a three ERA and two hundred twenty five strikeouts and a one ten WHIP, in a, you know which is equal to a one oh five. If you had like three and one oh five with two hundred plus and seventeen wins, that's your first round pitcher basically. I mean, he could do better, but could do worse. So that you know that's probably right in line with like a lot of projections if you were to adjust for ERA. All right, let's, uh, one quick thing I want to say before uh, we move on from baseball. I haven't even told this story on this pod because it's been so long, but I, I think I've been reluctant to say it because I already told the story about my – it feels like I, I moved into a neighborhood that's, that's not the greatest. But, dude, there is someone stole a car and, 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 and dumped it like one street over from me on the night of my main, adren- main event draft. And they barricaded my street and cops actually came into my house and searched for a suspect in my backyard during the main event draft. It was like, it was pretty wild. And I'm not using it as an excuse. My team would have been shitty no matter what, I guarantee it. But that actually happened. And that was pretty, pretty, uh, I guess I will use that as my excuse when I don't win the whole thing. But uh, that, <laughs> that happened. Anyway, let's, let's, let's put baseball aside for a second. Um, talk about some other stuff. Uh, I'm actually doing NFL things because Yahoo's launching soon, you know, right when, when the draft or whatever. So I've been doing some, some rankings and whatnot. I'm not sure how interested you are in NFL stuff. You, were you hoping Russell Wilson went to the Giants? Do you have any thoughts? You've been doing any, yeah, of course. any cheap I stuff? Road fire? You're I working on the magazine, I'm sure. Huh? Yeah, I would have loved it if Russell Wilson went to the Giants, but probably wasn't that realistic. Yeah, I'm doing all the projections. It's because of you guys that everything's getting pushed up. So the same thing you're working on, I'm working on. So I'm doing a lot of NFL, Good. which, you know, I'm, it's fine. It's easy. The NFL is so much easier to, like, just project. It's just opportunity times skill equals, you know, it's just, I don't know. The NFL is just very simple. Well, I'm happy they're putting you to work. So uh, I, I, that's why I brought it up. I was curious if you're working on that. So what else? Liz, you happy for Tiger Woods? Were you fired up? Did you watch the Masters? I don't give a fuck about that. I know everyone's so excited about it. <laughs> Shockingly. But I don't give a shit. No. I get it. I, I actually did huge, watch it. I get, I get the magnitude of the story. I'm not insensitive to the fact that it's a huge story. And all the guys like Tiger who – a lot of people love Tiger anyway, but a lot of people hated him. But even people who hate you, when you become the old man that's failing, you know, if like Federer wins something, everyone goes crazy, even though he used to hate Federer, because it's like an underdog story again, right? Federer is like the unbeatable – Goliath, and then now that he's older, if he wins, it's like an underdog story. So I get it. I'm not like that. Like, oh my god, Tiger! I just think the whole, the whole thing about that. You know that George Carlin clip, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one where he fuck says, Tiger "Fuck Woods. Lance fuck Armstrong." Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah. And yep. then in the I end, know. he's like, "And Tiger. fuck Tiger Woods too." And that's when they were both like on top of the world before they both got, you know, Tiger got busted for his philandering and, and Lance Armstrong for cheating, and then. uh you know, both got taken down a peg. So, you know, I just, I never liked those guys that, the, that society's always telling you to be happy for. So everyone's so happy for Tiger. It's fine. I'm not, I don't really care. I don't have anything against the guy personally. It's just like, that shit's just boring to me. Yeah, Evan loves a good redemption story. Uh, personally, I have two separate bets with people I made about eight years ago that Tiger Woods would not surpass Jack Nicholas's uh, master's record. And he needed four of them. He has not won one since. And uh, yet I made a horrible bet like you did with me as far as I can never cash, you know, take forever for me to cash in. But, um, so I, I heard a couple people out of the woodwork, you know, he finally won one, which is funny, giving them some hope. But, uh, I, I watched it and I got into it and I was rooting for him, but I, I figured you wouldn't, but I'm still going to bring it up to you. What about uh, game of Thrones? I had a nice, uh, we had a, a get together here. It's still, it's cool. Cause I don't know if there'll ever be a show again. where like, we actually all like a group of 15 of us got together to watch this. We're going to do it every week for the next five weeks, including, you know, Easter Sunday and it's water cooler talk, you know, it's, you can't binge it. And, I know you have some complaints, and it's fine. I'll, I'll hear them, but um, I'm into it, man. I'm, I'm into the season, and I'm really excited about how this, this show is going to finish. I liked the episode, actually. I thought most of it was pretty good. I think the thing that redeems it is the actors are really good, most of them. Like, Peter Dinklage is just such a good actor. You just... So good. If the script yeah. is stupid, like, he makes it good. But there's just so much of that, like, bad Hollywood banter writing. If you go watch, like, a Mission Impossible movie, Tom Cruise and whoever he's with, like, bantering during, like, the dangerous scenes and stuff... They're bringing that in. And you have like Daenerys and Jon Snow riding the dragons together, like, ooh. And, and, and that added the, the, you know, the Bud Light commercial, or I don't know what's Bud Light, every commercial now. It's like the bumbling idiot dude and the girl who's like mocking him and laughing at him, the guy who like embarrasses himself. That's like a, such a cliche now, right? That's just like part of advertising. That, 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 what, that's what passes for humor in like commercials. 
And of course, they're doing that with the dragon. And secondly, of course, he would have died with the dragon flying like that if he didn't know how to hold on. And third, you know, it's cool special effects, but they're like showing off special effects. They're having the dumbest banter. Oh, you've ruined horses for me. Ha ha. And then, you know, just the whole cliche of it. And Game of Thrones was like a deep, dark show. Game of Thrones is, it's not some Hollywood banter Mission Impossible 6. It's like, it's, it's like a real show. And it's a shame that they're uh, trying to pander like that. And there, there's a bunch of pandering last season too. And it's, it's continued. I kind of feel like it's going to, you know how like Lost was like a real disappointing ending or The Sopranos was a disappointing ending or a lot of shows kind of ended and you're like, the only really, I mean, Breaking Bad ended like so well. The Americans ended really well. But like a lot of the shows, like you're like, ah, oh, really? I, I think we're... <laughs> I think we're gearing up for something that's going to be a, a real letdown. Uh, definitely because of the hype and expectations to what even could satisfy everyone. But yeah, there are, there are a lot of nitpicking going on, but that is fair. I know you, you gave up on Mindhunter based on one conversation in, in a bar, the whole entire show. And I, and I, and I understand that and that could throw you off the dialogue. And that is definitely was some cheesy bantering and they are um, pandering to a, a wider audience. And obviously the, the author of the original material is no longer even involved here. So all those the aspects. first the first six seasons just didn't do that. There, it just wasn't like that. There was some funny stuff, like some darkly funny stuff, but it wasn't like bantery, witty one-liner bullshit, and certainly not like that cliche shit. Like a look at the bumbling fool, ha ha ha. To me, that's just it's just pandering, and and I feel like if the if they're willing to do that, it's just it's just dis- it, to me it's like disrespects the show as like the masterpiece that it was and it wasn't always perfect but like for six seasons when track the books it was pretty damn good and i just think you got to respect like the show and not not pander and it's not in good hands that that's my fear yeah no that is a fair fair criticism i get frustrated when people are just like what happened in episode one not enough action or whatever and they just constantly need some wars or something i thought that set up a lot a lot and it obviously gave up one pretty big reveal to a character so I liked episode one. Uh, I do hear your criticism as far as that, that kind of dialogue. Um, I will say one good thing that they showed was that Daenerys is obviously, she's a sociopath. I mean, she's a, it doesn't get more sociopathic than asking someone to kneel because you believe you're queen of them and they decide not to and then you burn them alive. You murder them with, by literally burning them alive. You know, you're totally right and I didn't even think of it as, as sociopathic until it was, you know, kind of Samwell's reaction, even though his family's so terrible. It's like, you know, ah, they quite probably didn't deserve that though, even in his eyes. But so, even yeah. if they did, it's, it's just not, she didn't know the whole history of them. I don't think, I think it's just sort of like, you're not kneeling. And then it was sort of like wink, wink to the audience. Like you guys know, these are bad people. So we're just going to torch them. And you'll probably just go along with it, which people did. But if you think about it, she didn't know. And even if she did know, I mean, it's just so, it's a sociopath. I mean, if I really just decided that I was the king of all the world and I got some schizophrenics to go along with me and then, you know, if people didn't agree or didn't do what I said, I murdered them. I mean, I'd be in jail. Like, this is not, and then some guy was like, well, I mean, they did, the rest of the guys did kneel right after she did that. I'm like, well, yeah, if the, if the end just, if the end justifies the means, then you can do, you could say anything's worth it. Basically, like you either can or cannot do that stuff. And she no, but obviously it, feels like her being queen is super important. So she's going to do that stuff. Being queen, being the ruler of the seven kingdoms, her ambition is very important to her. She's going to be very just and do the right thing and be very good for it's. It, she's the only one that can do it. Very important to her. So I'm going to murder whoever stands in my way. I mean, that's just not, that's what a sociopath would do. I mean, literally, most sociopaths just want to like, you know, climb the career ladder and to, to make a little money and, you know, just be falsely well-regarded by their peers. You know, I mean, that's, she's, she, she's really at the extreme end of it. Right. But it's, it's because it's Khaleesi and we all love her and root for her. But yeah, when you word it like that, put it like that. Yeah. You kind of, it's a different light. Well, by the way, Jon Snow was able to ride that dragon because he has that, or whatever. I, I always mispronounce things. He has that blood though, right? That's why he didn't fall because he can't, right? But they didn't know that. Like she, you know, there's like an 80% chance that he would just fall off and die. And that, that's really going to fuck up their situation. Uh, you're right. He didn't know that. Yeah. Neither. Yeah, that, that thing yeah. was, I mean, I wouldn't ride that thing. Hell no. It, it really wasn't, you know, being very careful. I've been on a horse that just, you know, started going crazy, and that was scary enough. And I, I would definitely not ride that thing. All right, man. I want to ask you about um, 
away from GOT. I want to ask about Julian, uh, speaking of the same names wrong, Assange. What, what are your thoughts on the situation, man? I think that Ecuador's new president is a nutless monkey, and he was pressured, and they gave Ecuador like a giant loan like right after they did that. Now, obviously, WikiLeaks basically published more relevant information than any of the major news networks, which are just carrying water for politicians and special interests. So they hate WikiLeaks, right? Julian Assange is doing their job for them. They're like cozying up to power. He's actually exposing it in the most drastic way possible. But it's also kind of a lesson, and it's a tough one, because the guy, Michael Krieger, who I read, he actually thinks that Julian yeah. Assange and Satoshi Nakamoto, the guy who invented Bitcoin, who may be a guy, a group of people, a woman, who no one knows who, who he or she is, but that those are the two most important figures of the 21st century. And I think that there's something to be said for being a badass like that and, and just saying, I don't, you know, I don't care who pisses off. I'm, I'm exposing the truth of these people that making consequential decisions in secret and getting away with it. But at the same time, Satoshi was anonymous, so they can't go and torture him and put him in a jail. So it's, just, it's, it's good to, to fight against powerful entrenched interests that are not doing good but as anonymously as possible, I think is the lesson for that. Not that's not always possible, but you know, he was outspoken and he was a thumb in the eye. There's probably a way he could have done it. I'm, I'm not blaming him whatsoever. I mean, I'm not like I, I think he's deserves a, a journalism award. He, he got one and he got many, but I'm just saying that like the more you pick a fight while taking on power, the more it's going to ab- absolutely be out to destroy you. And in my personal life, just dealing with people that I deal with, I've really learned don't pick an unnecessary fight, only pick the necessary ones and then just still try to get your way and, and, and absolutely stop them from doing things that they shouldn't be doing and that are not in your interest. But you don't have to declare yourself. You can keep it quiet. By the way, that Michael Krager um, has a great thread about presidents, and um, I, I, I read it solely because of you pointing it out, and I recommend everyone listening to this to, to go read that thread um, on, on his Twitter feed. Yeah, I guess Assange was like part, or at least whatever, the, the media is, is framing it that part of the reason that the, the, the president turned on him is because he released some photo of him eating some lobster in a hotel room, and I guess he, he himself was also messy as a person there, but obviously the reason's would that's probably the real reason. That, but it's an easy, cheap win for him. Like even the liberal journalist, journalists, the resistance are are happy that Assange is probably going to prison in the U.S. They're happy about that. So Trump could. It doesn't really cost him anything, right? Like it's not like I guess it might cost him people who believe in free speech and journalism, but those people probably don't like Trump much anyway. So you know, it's like it just gets him like a an easy win appeases like the intelligence agencies who hate him, like who got exposed their evil deeds. I mean, the, the thing that was exposed, I mean, people forget was soldiers murdering innocent people. Basically that was what got exposed. That right, was the video right. that was really explosive. And so the guys who ordered the war where those things were going on, the, all these journalists who fomented the war and everything, they got promoted. But the guy who actually exposed the wrongdoing is he's, he's in for a world of hurt right now. Definitely. Um, all right. Uh, Got to talk about my Warriors blowing the biggest lead in postseason history, losing Boogie Cousins for the rest of the postseason, which I am. I actually think that might be addition by subtraction. I mean, I, I, it, what it does is it makes them less depth. It hurts their depth. So another injury is going to be far more serious. But, man, it's plus minus and just the way he – I love Bogut. I mean, I felt bad how he had to lead the team. So kind of like that. But – Poor Boogie, man. One and a half. Didn't even get to play two playoff games. And now it is just uh, that that Achilles rehab must have been a bitch, too. But kind of brutal there. You watching any of these NBA playoffs? It's been fairly entertaining so far. No, I haven't. We had Nick Whalen on the show today, and he was saying that he thought they might be better off without Boogie because maybe their ceiling's not quite as high, but they have plenty of ceiling to crush anyway. And he thought that in certain situations, it might be ideal for the Warriors to give Boogie... 10 or 12 minutes in a game and that there was some risk of him being disgruntled uh, in that's in that event. And so this just kind of takes that all off the table that creates, but it still has the results in the, in the ball being in Curry's hands less. Nick Lamb was exactly right. I to- totally agree with that. And it, it, as good as cousins is on his own or whatever, but for this specific situation, I think it might be addition by subtraction. Um, you got any, uh, you got any Easter plans or anything list? 
Well, yeah, we're going away. It's actually spring break for Sasha after tomorrow. So we're going to a Same city on the beach up north called Enviro. Taking the train up Friday and coming back Sunday. What about you? Oh, uh, yeah. We have my, my wife has family about a 45 minute way where a big group of people get together. Kids will all Easter egg hunt, stuff like that. Nothing, uh, nothing too crazy, not going too far or anything. And I think that about wraps it up for all anything I have to say for you. It's nice getting caught up. And hopefully next week I'll be like, it'll be a massive turnaround for my players, but I'm not feeling it, man. Sure. I'm expecting here. the worst. Wake, wake up, guys. Wake up. Seriously, baseball needs to take a turn. I'm with you here, man. I wonder yeah. if we have similar guys or just we just uh, or or not. I don't know. I know we went different as far as pitching. How, uh, what are the big guys you went with? Was Verlander and Cole? So actually, worked a couple of your guys, weren't they? Well, I had like one share of a lot of guys. So I have one Degrom, one Sale, one Verlander, one Cole, two Carrascos. I didn't even give you shit about Severino because why? But I'm sorry about that. I man. have that four sucks. Severinos, four or five Severinos. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Who knows? Nah, yeah. Well, no, the, the other ones, the, the ones I got after the injury was, I mean, I'm pissed about it because I was hoping like May 1st I'm going to get this huge edge. But, you know, that was that was a gamble. I mean, this was obviously a, you know, you thought it was more likely than me. I thought it was 50-50. You thought it was like very likely that he was going to be hurt still. I didn't. I thought he was coming back. And But that was a gamble, obviously. You know, I mean, that was a yeah. calculated gamble. That's not like I'm not shocked by any means. All right, man. Here's to our teams turning around uh, next week. We'll uh, we'll be in better place for for fancy baseball. All right, sounds good, man. If you enjoy this podcast, you can subscribe and you can also like it on iTunes. I think there's probably other stuff you can do. Really, for me, the biggest thing is just if you enjoy the podcast, recommend it to other people. I think actually the best way to grow these things is to grow it organically. And all this bullshit, stars and likes and all this crap is uh, I don't even know what that actually does. But you can do it. It helps. It's nice and. Uh, But mostly just uh, if you enjoy it, spread the word. All right, that's going to do it. Talk to you next week, man.